and thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff Heisner with the Michigan District of the LCMS, and we're joined by Pastor Trevor Sutton from St. Luke in Hazlitt. And the purpose of today's podcast is to help those many aspiring authors that we have here in the Michigan District. And Pastor, first of all, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about this great topic. So Trevor, you've written a number of books from being Lutheran to redeeming technology and more. What prompted you to get started and when did you kind of realize that you wanted to write? When did I realize I wanted to write was it probably goes way back. <laughs> I might have been in third grade. I think I wrote my first um, magazine. It was a uh, fishing magazine. I think the circulation of that magazine was maybe two or three <laughs> copies. Uh, namely, my parents were the uh, the only readership uh, for that magazine. <laughs> but I think, you know, from just very young. I loved reading. Uh, I loved writing. Uh, I love the the correspondence, the the dialogue that happens between those two things, and um, gathering you know a community around a book and, and a, 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 the ideas that come through that. So from way back, that was an interest of mine. And then obviously that was fostered uh, when I was a student at Concordia Ann Arbor. I was an English major, and um, they just did a phenomenal job of developing me as a as a reader and then developing me as a writer and so somewhere around undergrad started dipping a toe in the idea of getting work published mm -hmm. being part of that kind of public dialogue that is published writing uh, and then oddly enough at the seminary once i had some minimal success in in publishing articles uh, i worked part-time at the seminary as a freelance writer for a, a nursing magazine of all things uh, but I found out I could get paid for writing and uh, that was able to support my seminary studies. And, you know, it was kind of neat to realize that that you didn't have to have an expert background in that topic at hand. You just had to be able to to cogently sift through the information and articulate it to the readers. And um, so, yeah, so then um, from from there at the seminary doing it, you know, on a freelance basis, then I started moving into exclusively writing you know, uh, devotional material, uh, nonfiction Christian books and, and articles and things like that. And never really looked back since, I suppose. Now, I, I, as far as deciding on a topic, is this more kind of what your passion is? Or is it more, hey, there's a need here and someone comes to you and says, would you be willing to write on this? It's a little bit of both. Okay. But in general, uh, on the whole, it has been personal interest. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought, I hope that that I would write if if nobody would read it, <laughs> and just this idea that that I don't understand something thoroughly until I've I've conveyed it uh, in writing, and so in that sense, it, it's really part of me for the almost the the knowledge building exercise of I I read something, I, I hear about something, I have questions about something, and then it's the sifting through it and the the writing it out uh, that really allows me to to understand something better. So in that sense, it's driven by personal interest, personal questions I have. But the beautiful part about it is I'm not the only one asking those questions and interested in those things. And so um, that's the the great joy of it is as you do that process, there's others who benefit from reading what you've prepared. And you've written on a variety of different topics too. It's a variety of things, but I think, you know, I, I see patterns mm -hmm. and um kind of a constellation that forms in that, that generally the things that I write about are um, 
theology, Lutheran theology in particular, but then culture and and the way that culture is so impacted by technology. And so, you know, someone might look at it and be like, wow, he's kind of all over the place. But in some sense, I, I do see how there's kind of a um, a triptych of things that it's Lutheran theology uh, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus just in general in the middle of it. But then the way that that plays out, you know, kind of in, in culture and, and in technological society. So I think like any, any writer, you know, there's kind of, um, kind of like jazz, you know, like I, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's improvisational in some way, but there's refrains and, and hooks that keep coming back again and again and again. So from start to finish, and in, when you finish the book, not necessarily when it gets published, how long does it take you to write? Yeah, so you're exactly right in the idea that my process is not the whole process. Right. <laughs> and that's something I, um, the, the first couple times through, came to really realize that. <laughs> and I would imagine just having talked to people, everybody's radically different when it comes sure. to book projects. And I think a lot of it has to do with what are the constraints of the project? Mm -hmm. And so is this a self-published thing and there's no timeline, no deadline? That's going to look really different than is this a collaboration with a publisher and they have a timeline and a, a, a due date mm -hmm. in which you need to get it back. And so for my, my first book, Being Lutheran, uh, that was my first time doing a book length project. And I think that was 75,000 words, somewhere around there. And prior to that, I had only done you know, maybe articles or essays that were at most, you know, 3000 words or something. Mm -hmm. So this was substantially bigger than anything I'd ever done before. And it's kind of interesting. My, my strategy on that was uh, I'm, I'm an English major. I'm not all that analytical or, or number driven, but I, I took the total word count and I took how many days I had before the due date. And I just divided it out and figured I need to have this many words per day. Uh, and then I'd actually put together a, a spreadsheet mm -hmm. of each day and my word count for that day. Uh, and so it almost became kind of humorous because people would ask me like, hey, how's the book coming? And I could say, well, it's a uh, 43% done. <laughs> They're like, whoa, that's way more specific than I thought. Uh, but but that was kind of my process there is just to take this big, big thing and turn it into a small kind of daily actions. Um, and that gave me kind of a peace of mind in the sense then of if I had a day where I doubled my word count from what I expected to do, then I could the next day, if if life happened and, and there wasn't time to, to do it, that was OK, because I knew where I was at. Yeah. And, um, and throw in writer's block in there, too. I imagine that happens. That's real. Yep. Writer's block or the idea that that there's times where you um, need to go deeper into researching something. Mm -hmm. And, and, and some areas in a book you you know a lot about from your, you know, my seminar education or things like that, things I've read previously. Other times you're like, yeah, I, I've painted myself into a corner here. I need to bone up on this a bit more. And so all of that. But um, yeah, in general, I, I found that that slow and steady is is my preferred process and, and kind of getting words down every day in a project. And I, I find that that's there's less stop and start and there's more daily momentum that happens. But I do know other people who will not do anything for three weeks and then carve out six hours and, you know, put down 3,000 <laughs> words. But so you I can't kinda, do that. 
Yeah, you you talked about this. What was your kind of your work, uh, writing, family balance? What what did you do? So I'm my this is weird, but my my best hours, like my sharpest energy, especially mental energy, is very early in the morning. Okay. I'm kind of a 5 a.m. to to 7 a.m. kind of writer. And when it came to um, my first book project, being Lutheran, that was that was the time, 5 a.m. to 7. And um, those two hours, just the clearest thinking, the 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 greatest energy. My, my wife is the exact opposite, that her, her, her best mental t- powers are kind of 8 to 10 o'clock at night. And so she finds it very, very strange that 5 to 7 is my time uh, for, for that sort of thinking. But yeah, so that was sort of when I would fit it in. What was kind of interesting is, then in subsequent books, you know, the age of my children was was different and things like that. And so that 5 to 7 a.m. block was sometimes somebody be waking up at 6 a.m. Uh, and so oddly enough, kind of books two and three and even four um, were almost a little harder to get into that rhythm and groove. And then my most recent book, um, Redeeming Technology, the, the children were at a more predictable pattern of life and wake up and things like that. So it was a lot easier to, uh, to, to get into a rhythm on that. So it was kind of interesting. The, the strategies that worked for some of them didn't work for all of them. <laughs> so did that five to seven time slot, did that cut into your fishing time? Yeah. Well, much of life and ministry and family has cut into the fishing time. So um, it just gets getting further down the queue, unfortunately, but that's all right. Uh, understandable for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so We've talked a little bit about the writing and the writing process for you. Now, how about publishing? What advice would you give authors right now who are looking to get published? I think the the, the best advice I have is really to ask that. It's going to sound cliche, but but just ask why. And I think if you ask why, and maybe not just once, but but I'm a big advocate. Of, uh, apparently, way back, uh, Toyota as a corporate culture had a practice of asking why five times to get to kind of the root of an issue or a question. So it's not just asking why once, but but kind of dig down a little deeper on that why. And I think if you parse that out, you'll have a better strategy to go forward from. And so that might be a little abstract. Let me explain. But why do you want to be published? And like one thing I tell people, like if it's to make money, go get a job at Starbucks. Um, like you'll, you'll, you'll see a paycheck much sooner. It'll probably be a better paycheck. Uh, things like that. Just the idea of, of writing for pay. Uh, it can happen and, and it can happen. And, and, you know, there's benefits to that, but if that's your initial reason why you're going to be struggling, I suppose. Uh, but, but so kind of figure out the why, and then in some way that will dictate, is it self-publishing that you want to do? Uh, sometimes I talk to people and they really just have like a story on their heart and their mind mm-hmm. and they really just want to get that story out and they kind of don't care how many people read that. Uh, that's, that's absolutely a worthwhile reason, but that kind of, that why dictates how you're going to go about this. Uh, or, you know, then sometimes the question is like, why do you want to write? Well, I want to be part of the discourse and the, the collective dialogue around this thing. Mm-hmm. And that that's important. That changes sort of where you go and, and what publications you pursue and, and how you pursue it. So I think figuring that out is really helpful. Uh, the other advice that I often kind of give on the publishing side of things is if you are looking to, to get published with a publisher, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to have their own 
um, constraints, their own questions, their own things they need to address. Mm -hmm. And one of those is often kind of, is this person capable, reliable? Uh, does this person have any track record of an audience uh, and, and previous projects? And so generally, the advice that I give for people is that is, you know, you got to start somewhere and starting with smaller projects, um, articles, maybe articles that are, are you're just doing that because you love the process and, and nobody's paying you for that, that sort of thing. Uh, and then kind of building up from there. At some point, then some publisher might say, hey, would you want to do this, this bigger project? Uh, so you've been doing an article here and there. Now we've got a devotion that uh, booklet that's 30 devotions or, you know, something like that. Okay. And then from there, then it's more likely that a publisher will say, okay, you're an established person uh, and you have a track record and you have some, some bylines to your name. Therefore we'll, we'll take a leap on you. Uh, and that was honestly kind of, if people really want to know what my experience was, um, being Lutheran published with Concordia Publishing House, uh, I had submitted a proposal to them, the, the proposal for a book, they usually go into what's called a, a slush pile. And that's just basically an inbox that nobody tends. And um, every now and then some poor intern has to wade in there and pick out a few. And, and anyway, um, from there, I had gotten a, um, they read it, they thought about it and then rejected it. But then the suggestion was, well, why don't you do some portals of prayer devotions for us? Uh, and that was kind of that devotion project sort of thing of why not write 10 or 20 of these? Mm -hmm. uh, I did that. And then really, so it was kind of rejected proposal, suggestion for these devotions, did that devotion project. And then they turned around and said, we have a book proposal we want you to consider. Uh, and so it was a very different thing. Um, that book, uh, Being Lutheran, was actually their idea pitched to me. Uh, and, and I think the reason for that is, is they have a, a strong sense of their audience, their markets, the needs they have at that moment. Uh, and so in some way, you know, relying on the publisher to tell you what they want is just as powerful as you telling the publisher what, what you have. Sure. Yeah. And, and I imagine this is kind of even changing you know, from, from when that book came out and that was what, 2016, right? Isn't that what Correct, we were Correct, yeah. And, okay, so are, are you hearing some different things about how maybe you go about getting published now or, or maybe it's more difficult or or there's other ways to get yourself, get your book out there? I think one of the biggest shifts that I've seen and even it was starting when I first got into publishing, but it just has continued on, the idea that, you know, the platform of the author uh, really matters. Uh, and that can be a challenging thing, especially as as followers of Jesus. And this idea of, you know, trying to build a personal platform and and keep John 3.30 in mind of uh, he must increase, I must decrease. And how, how does that all work? And that's where it's a um, a very challenging thing, I think, in some way of, of of navigating that idea. But generally, publishers are looking for is there a a um a readership around this person? Mm -hmm. uh, and that can be sort of a a little disheartening in some ways, I think sure. because i've I've sensed where really great writers who may be unknown or really great ideas, but but if 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 there's not um name recognition to that person, it's harder to to you know break into that mix. or what often will happen, not always. 
people who have huge Twitter followers or something like that will be offered a book deal, even though they can't write to save their lives, you know, and 40 characters or whatever it is now. Right. Yeah. 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 And I've actually heard of a few books that have just absolutely not, not Christian books, but, but kind of secular books that have just absolutely tanked. And it was just this idea of like, you've got a following, let's have you write a book. And turns out that person had nothing to say, um, even with the help of a ghostwriter. Uh, but so anyway, I think there's there's that idea, that shift of of platform is very important. Uh, there is the shift in the sense of, in many ways, publishers uh, are, are driven, not exclusively, but but one of their key considerations is, you know, they do a profit loss analysis on a book and they try to figure out, What's this going to cost us? What do we anticipate making to recoup it? And you know the the idea, the quality of the writing, the title, you know all of those things are part of it. But in a lot of ways, it, it it is a question of is there a market? Is there a readership for this? Uh, and so that can be a little dismaying, especially in such a creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. You know where writers really pour out their heart and soul, and then you find out. Uh, I had a book um, with a a different publisher that was right at the very, very, very end of the whole um, acceptance pro- process. Mm-hmm. And it, it ultimately died on the desk of a um, marketing manager, you oh. know, because the marketing manager said, yeah, everyone else loved it. But the marketing manager said, I don't think we can sell enough. So sorry. And uh, just that that's kind of heartbreaking when you do sure. a creative endeavor. Um, but again, it's kind of the nature of it. Uh, and then I think the the um, another shift that I've noticed is, of course, the the self-publishing world. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, a burgeoning market and um, absolutely something to take note of. And um, I think it went from a, you know, way back, they used to call it vanity press, uh, this idea that it was sort of driven by by vanity. And that has shifted tremendously in the, the, the more recent years of this idea of you know, do you think you can do this apart from a established publisher? And there's so many tools around that with social media and websites and all of those marketing tools are at your disposal. So why would you rely on someone else to do that if you can do it yourself? And um, so that's been a big shift. And then I think the last one would be audiobooks. Uh, that's been um, a, a rather big pivot that I've noticed. And just um, recently, one of my books, was turned into an audiobook and that was just a neat experience to to hear that final product and and listen to it nice. the whole Did new you way get to voice it? no i didn't they oh. had uh someone a professional uh yeah they didn't they didn't trust me with that one i guess uh, <laughs> rightfully so you only talk every day to yeah but i think read, reading an audiobook i i can read to my kids but uh i'm not sure i can read a my own book <laughs> for for listeners but yeah so i think it's 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 um an area that has rapidly changed uh, in a lot of ways will continue to rapidly change. But what I'm excited for, and I think the basis for this whole podcast is the idea that there's a lot of people who are interested in it. And um, I'm encouraged by that. And I think there's a really neat kind of participatory culture around publishing where everybody can, can participate in some way, whether it's a, a blog post that they, you know, pay $25 a year for a web domain or maybe nothing. And, and they get it out to the world, um, or they want to pursue paid publishing. I mean, it's it's a, a neat time yeah. where everyone can, in some way, play. So you do have obviously 
you do have some encouraging things. I mean, we talked a little bit about the discouraging things, but you do have a lot of encouragement for aspiring authors or authors who are getting their stuff, starting to get their stuff out there. Absolutely. And again, I think where I see people getting discouraged is they might they might be pursuing it for, I don't want to say the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. but 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 honestly, this kind of checking yourself in the sense of, am I pursuing this because I want to get notoriety or I want to be deemed an expert or or get paid? And I find those are some of the things that you will be frustrated if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but if 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 your motivation is really to share your your um to to be part of a conversation, I think you won't be that discouraged. Uh, if your motivation is in some way to to get what's in your head out for your own self understand understanding it better, I don't think you'll be discouraged. Uh, and if your if your motivation is to um to make relationships through that writing process. Again, I really don't think you'll be discouraged. Hmm. Uh, and so that's the the sort of thing of, of really asking in some sense, what do I want to get out of this? And that helps you understand of, of what's my goal, what's my aim. And that's where I think discouragement really happens is if there's a misalignment between your aims and, and reality and, and you know where things are at. But if you have a strong sense of here's what I want to get, uh, I've seen many people very encouraged by the process but um you know one of the most discouraging things i think is is the simple rejection letters uh and and that's one of those things that yeah you know to to power through that and i guess another encouraging thing would be this is that uh and there's all these stories of famous authors that had been rejected by one publisher and then had a huge success with another and just this idea that you may be rejected by one publication, but that's because their readership and audience may not align with what you're putting together. And, and so that's the thing too. It's not a not a knock on what you've prepared. It's it's that dialogue and that mismatch between what you've prepared and and who they have as a readership. Uh, great advice. So um, I guess what's next for you? I know you're working on a big project right now. Is there anything then after this big project that you're on? Yeah, so the big project I'm working on now is a, a dissertation, and um, you know, typically dissertations turn into books. Okay. Uh, and so I suppose that might be a a thing that the, the dissertation is on uh, technology, um, mm-hmm. topic called digital ecclesiology, but sort of the ways that that the church and digital technology are um, interacting, you know, one to another, and um, especially focusing on online worship and okay. hybrid worship. And uh, so yeah, so so that's my current project. What's kind of interesting is taking the things I've learned from book length projects and applying it to that. So um, it's been neat to see how the dissertation will be about 200 pages. And that's around the the length of, mm-hmm. of books that I've written. And obviously the audience is very different, but yeah, so that's um that that'll have me occupied for, uh, <laughs> for, for the next, um, for the coming year, I think. And uh after that, we'll we'll see what happens next. But I, I suspect, because I love writing, e- even if it's not published, I, I will always be dabbling in some way with with writing something again, just because it's it's how I come to understand something better. So I've got to ask, since we've got you here, we have a new president coming in. Uh, your thoughts, and can you give us a little insight onto uh, uh, the man, the new president? Yeah, yeah. I I 
he, I, I love Dave. I just gotta say, I mean, he's just such a great guy. And, um, he and I worked together for, uh, 11 years. Um, and I came out of the seminary was called to St. Luke and, uh, he was senior pastor there at the time. And, um, gosh, just the, the indelible mark that he's had on me through working with him. Uh, I'm excited to see what that'll look like, not just, you know, the, what, what I experienced, but then for other people, um, in the district, the the district staff, the the congregations in the district, the the Michigan district as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited to, based on the great interactions I've had over the last 11 years with him, to now kind of see that be shared with the Michigan district as a whole. So no, I think uh, I think President Davis will do a, a phenomenal job in that, and um, I'm especially excited to see, you know, he's got a strong emphasis on um, being in God's Word, and uh, just the great. Um, power that that can be. And, and I'm excited to see uh, his passion for daily Bible reading. You know, what will that look like uh, as, as more and more people catch that, catch that passion and, and go with it. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, great conversation today. Thank you very, very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Have a great week and may God bless your day. Thank you.